What's up, everybody? We're back another episode of the EX Performance Podcast. Uh, getting back in the groove post Thanksgiving uh, awesomeness. I got Jeremy from across the nation right now, uh, and then I'm back in the office. So we're getting back into our our groove with the podcast. They fell off a little bit, but we're gonna pick it back up. We've got a couple of good ones coming your way, and today's one that a lot of people have been asking about, which is pain and dealing with it on an athlete's terms. So first off, Jeremy, before we jump into that, how you doing, man? Good, man. It's been a busy kind of last couple months, uh, moving around for work and whatnot. So I think uh, spent like taking the time to like actually, you know, sit down and do these like podcasts, I think have been more challenging than we thought. <laughs> but uh, I think it'll be exciting to kind of get back on schedule that we have and uh, give the people what they want. Yeah, I dig it, man. So let's just dive right into it. Um, we've had a lot of questions and just from personal experience with, with a career of training and then with, uh, you know, hundreds of, of athletes now coming through the doors, uh, a very common theme for anyone who trains seriously is going to be the topic of pain. And so, uh, you know, we decided to dedicate a whole episode to it. And I wanted to start with defining it in athletes terms, right? So if you look up pain and you go deep into pain science, oh my God, it can get really, yeah. really nuanced. <laughs> it can get really out of control, man. There's psychosomatic stuff. There's all these other things, but what I like to think about pain in terms of an athlete's uh, terminology is just a signal for change, right? So yes, we've all been there where it's kind of something hurts. We've all been in the middle of a workout where there's discomfort. And we got to know the difference between the two, but they are very important. So when I boil it down, to me, it's pain is just a signal for change that could be from the tissue, could be from the brain, could be a combination of both. Yeah, I think like the biggest thing I think is it's a limiting factor. I think something that's interesting to me that I noticed with a lot of just people in general, I think we do a really good job of teaching it at evolution is um, like what truly is pain and what it causes in the workouts. And I know we'll get deeper into that when it comes to like when we should stop or when we should keep going type thing. But um, I'll, I'll, the same way I look at it, like I look at pain as it's, it's something you notice and it's limiting your power output. Um, Cause ideally in any sort of athlete or athletic sport, you're, your measurement is power so <laughs> yeah absolutely man I think that's that's just it you hit on one of the, the the key points that I had which is you know pain is the number one limiter of performance no matter what we're doing so even if it's a a metabolic type burn and I know some people confuse discomfort with burn there are some things I'll give you a good example the rower where you could go faster you simply <laughs> could go faster you could you could have more power output we were to do a muscle biopsy at the time you'd have more energy um, but pain is a limiter of performance in that regard. It, it might be a byproduct of, of low oxygen or something else. Um, but on some simple things like that, it's the number one limiter of performance. On the other end of that, uh, to me, it's one of the biggest limiters of performance when our athletes are in true pain because there's a structural problem and they don't want to take the time off or change enough to uh, fix the problem <laughs> or they add horsepower. Yeah, I think oftentimes coaches in general can – can mistake the two even themselves. You know, a lot of times when we program rest periods, say for our athletes and we're wanting a metabolic response, I think it's the, the coach's kind of responsibility at that point to program proper rest periods so that that quote unquote metabolic pain that they're feeling, that burning sensation is proper and not just essentially draining their adrenals and, <laughs> and sending them into a world of hurt for three days. Yeah, man. And that's, that's key. Like, 
I think that we're going to get into it later, but there's some big hormonal responses to pain that people forget about. Like in the moment, they're like, oh man, I'm addicted to this intensity. That burn was great. But what they can't yeah. see as easily is what it does to their, their hormones and, and their nervous system for the next, you know, days on end to, to weeks on end. And so that's a conversation we always like to have, or I always like to have with my athletes. It's like, okay, there is a time and place to go there, discomfort. Um, there is a time and place to go there on a conditioning piece where it is pain. That's what they perceive. It hurts. Um, but there's a subtle difference in, in the pain that will limit you for days on end. Because I want you to touch on the discomfort, touch on a little bit of that pain, and then back you off. You get a yeah. point where some people just like to live there and they've got yeah. the perception that that pain is progress and it's not pain is not progress. And I love that, uh, that chart we have, if you've been to the athlete camp, we have a chart that essentially shows on average plus or minus probably like three, four days on how long it takes to build the energy systems. And I think it's always surprising when I share that with athletes, when they're talking about like the metabolic burn on how quick you could actually get someone quote unquote competition ready um, conditioning wise. And, and I think that just backs up those statements of like, you know, if you're spending a lot of time in the shitter or like shitty shit shit, as OPEX calls it, uh, right? Like you're, you're not really getting much better because of the hormone response. But then when it's time to go hard, you don't want to because you just spent four months going hard. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy, man. Some people will get that, that intensity addiction and, and think that because it's pain, they must be making progress. And that becomes their metric of success, not measurable progress, man. It's, yeah. <laughs> I, can, I can tell you when you're getting better. It's pretty easy. Um, but yeah. your perception of pain kind of has nothing to do with it. Um, so, yeah. you know, on that note, man, I think, um, you know, for a lot of the athletes, when we talk about pain, I like to break it, break it down into kind of where it's at in the body and the type that it is, right? So, you know, we've got local pain. So someone like, okay, I ripped my hand doing bar muscle ups on Tuesday. That is localized pain. If I'm trying to build an athlete's program around localized pain, it's kind of easy. I'm not going to do a lot of grip work. I'm not going to do a lot of stuff that's grippy right there. Where it starts to get a little more convoluted is kind of that regional and global pain thing. So when someone's like, you know, I got a guy right now, um, he blew out his pec doing some bench a couple weeks ago, and we're still working around it. For him, it's not just the pec that hurts because of swelling and some other stuff that's going on. It's bicep, and it's, it's his pulling muscles uh, that are kind of compensating or, or have a reflex to lock down to protect his chest. So now we've got this whole regional thing we're working around. And the last one, and, and I think the most difficult one is like the global pain. People are like, I'm just in pain. My whole body hurts. My whole everything hurts. And to me, that last one is usually an indicator of something subsurface, right? Like for you yeah. to have pain all over everywhere else in the body, yes, I'm going to look at what you're doing for training, but that's when I really want to talk about life stress. I want to talk about your sleep. I want to talk about, um, you know, everything from your, your just general willingness to get out of the bed in the morning, sex drive, all this other hormonal stuff that might be an indicator that we've gone or something has tipped you too far uh, on one end of the spectrum. And we really got to address it before we ever worry about what you're doing in the gym. Yeah. And people, I think a lot of times don't realize that the global response to pain or that global response like global pain that people feel is often it's never sudden right it's never like you don't just randomly wake up and have acute global pain like and for those of you that don't come from medical world acute is like sudden onset like um and you never you don't have acute global pain you don't just wake up out of bed and like oh my whole entire body hurts um i look at it in a similar way locals kind of pinpoint like it doesn't radiate anywhere um and then i kind of look at the regional pain is similar to like joints like if my knee is tight, but it's also because of my hip and maybe my ankle. 
And that way I could stabilize or I could create kind of movements for the athletes that correlate to those joints and specific joints and recovery. Um, whereas, like you said, acute pain, it's like if my knee hurts, pinpoint knee pain, um, I can't do wall balls, but I could do box jumps. It's it's that's the subtle difference for me is um, like regional pain. We're kind of working with the whole limb, two joints type thing. Um, local is like, hey, just this movement hurts. Yeah, and I think when that gets into one of the questions we had to our uh, Instagram story, which was like when to rest versus when to modify. Really, when I look at local, regional, global type pain, and then I looked at really, is it is it a structure? Like, is it joint? Is it hard structure or is it tissue? Like, can they poke on their their bicep and say, yeah, my bicep tissue right here hurts. That's when I start to get into modification versus complete rest. So if someone has pinpoint bicep pain, not their, you know, not their bicep tendon, not, not something that crosses a joint space or anything. They're like, yeah, my bicep is sore or it hurts or whatever. Yeah. Then I might modify and kind of switch some things around. Once it kind of affects that whole region, that's when I really start to recommend some rest. Now that doesn't mean all the time, um, but a lot of times I think I get more value from someone not trying to compensate their way through a workout if, if it's truly regional. What I mean by that is the body is, is an amazing adaptive machine. And so if someone's knee hurts, yeah, they can get through a lot of stuff, but the opposite ankle or hip usually take a lot more shear force uh, or a lot more um, torque than they normally would if things were, were normal. So that's for me an indicator like, okay, we might rest. And I don't mean complete rest. I mean, like, yeah. if, if someone's knee hurts, we are absolutely going to have them do upper body work. We're absolutely going to have them do aerobic work that they can support. Um, but I mean, resting that specific movement pattern or that joint. Yeah, and I know we'll get into it too, but like that term rest, I like that you said the aerobic work that we have athletes do because um, when we get into it, the hormone and endocrine system, like the benefits of just not draining that while you're injured and and letting kind of the rehab process take place is is like monumental and i think i mean that's a whole different other topic but it's just something to kind of get into is you know it's similar to i'll tell athletes i got an athlete going through some shoulder stuff right now uh, constantly getting physical therapy physical therapy is great time and a place but essentially what they're doing is they're causing an inflammation response and if you're constantly getting that done your body's not giving a chance to heal very similar when it comes to workouts if you're wanting to push through this pain and you're constantly aggravating it and causing an inflammatory response, you're essentially doing the same thing. Yeah, man. And, and we hit it on at the beginning of the episode, which is like pain is actually very complex and I'm not trying to downplay it. And we're not trying to say we've got it all figured out, but you know, people have heard us talk before about the biopsychosocial model that we use. Um, you know, the psychology of an athlete who is trying to deal with an injury or deal with something else is drastically different than someone just walking into a doctor's office talking about back pain just to get through life. And because of that, we're always trying to strike this balance of letting our athletes continue to work and having a positive mindset and working towards a goal versus saying, hey, you need to stop here. Uh, this is an indicator of really bad things to come if you don't stop. And it's, it's yeah. something that we have to take athlete by athlete. And so, you know, I've, I posted a link about it the other day. Um, Jeremy and I were actually talking about it. One of Jeremy's athletes uh, agreed with it. This guy, Matt, where pain is actually very, very tied to your mindset. And it's tied to how you perceive pain. And it's tied to how you um, view yourself as, as broken or capable or whatever you want to you know, call it. 
Um, but we always have to balance those things out. The easy answer would be, yeah, go sit in bed until you feel better. But I'm here to tell you, as I get later on in life, nothing ever feels good at my age when I get out of bed. So if I did that, I'd never do anything. Yeah, there was an interesting study. I don't know it off the top of my head. I just know it exists out there if you want to look it up. But about running intervals and running paces and how facial expressions change the uh, rate of perceived exertion. Like they had athletes run and, and measured their facial expressions. Essentially like someone that was like, grinding it out grimacing in the face their pace slowed down i don't know how much it was notable enough to be published but, yeah. um, no i know so that just kinda... about, and then that that goes along with one uh, about the gold gradient hypothesis which is like you tell someone yeah. to run 400 meters and and then slightly move the finish line and they'll just drop off drastically um same thing happened the four minute mile you know people are like oh we could never do it until someone broke it yeah they realize like okay i can endure that so pain is very very uh psychological as well as as well as physiological so yeah you know on that response on that note though like um you know i'd like to take a second to sit down and talk about the the neural and hormonal responses that we got into earlier a lot of people are really big on um hey what's my testosterone what's what's my you know all the good anabolic hormones that are out there and where they're at and everything else but they forget about the downside which is cortisol yeah. and some other things that respond to pain and training and so a lot of times when athletes get blood work um, for us, it's kind of interesting to see how they focus on those, but absolutely throw out the things like CRP, interleukin-6, all these inflammatory markers. And they're like, yeah, my testosterone's pretty good. And I'm like, well, it could be better by simply getting you out of pain. Yeah, and I know like from a nervous system perspective, you're way more kind of uh, educated on the biotensegrity model, right? Yep. Um, I love the hormone side of things, right? So that's the first thing I look at is the effects that we have from cortisol on like when someone is like truly injured. Uh, what I see or what, I mean, just science tells us is um, you actually get a, like a similar response to that would be of like super high stress, right? That's when you start. So like I said, everyone wants to go to the testosterone, everyone wants to go to fatigue, but the, the underlying issue behind all of that is you can get adrenal fatigue if we have like hypercortisol all the time because you're injured and your body's stressed, well, then your adre uh, adrenaline just going to get rushed because it goes a one-to-one, -one, right? So, and also then you don't really know how to fight off kind of anti-inflammatory uh, problems because your body's always working at like a super high cortisol level and it's always stressed. So then our testosterone drops down, our HRV um, drops, which is not what we want. It's counterproductive. Um, our sleep suffers. We can't get our full REM sleep, deep sleep because we're always quote unquote switched on in this flight or flight mode that cortisol kind of has us running. And then if you go on that for too long, you think about kind of emptying the tank and now all of a sudden you have low cortisol. And so let's say over time you do get better. Well, what you just were on a, such a high cortisol dose for so long that now if we're on like this, this low kind of cortisol thing, when you get up in the morning, you'll then have joint pain because cortisol is a natural anti-inflammatory and when it rises, synovial fluid rises, right? And there's always this, this balance between the two. And so what I always tell people is long-term pain, like is not an, a, a, a measure of how tough you are. It's, not it's actually screwing you in the long run. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it absolutely is, man. Like, but some people get so addicted to it, it becomes their identity. Like, oh, I can yeah. do the most painful workouts and I love the grind and I love all this stuff. Well, that's good. Like you gotta have that on occasion. You gotta be willing to go there, but the difference is knowing when and where and how much. And so yeah. really that's like a, a conversation I constantly have with a lot of my athletes in terms of like, okay, can you do this workout that you saw on 
whatever social media platform, yeah, you can. Should you? Absolutely not. And so some of them yeah. forget that and, and it really takes progress and some other stuff to, to drive them. And I, and I have a pretty high level female athlete right now. Like that's, that was a conversation we had leading into a competition recently. She did really well on. And then just as we head into the open, it's like, Hey, we've got, you can deal with the pain and we can touch on that. But if that's where you live, yeah. it's, it's got a finite amount of time before you cap out on your progress. Yeah, I mean, even using me, for example, the fittest experience qualifiers just happened. I have a torn labrum in my shoulder. Uh, like, that was a super last-minute injury leading right into the competition. Um, I essentially, as an athlete, like, sucked it up and, like, went through it, right? Like, smart, but, like, I had to do it in that point. But then following that, I took two weeks off from the gym. I'm now, like, only doing, like, super strict work, right? And so – people oftentimes see all the sexy stuff on social media and they don't realize like the last three weeks I've had a band in my hand the entire time. <laughs> you know what I mean? We, we've talked about it before, man. To me at, at this point in life yeah. with the athletes that I've worked with now, like I've never had someone who comes to me for help um, sit like not work. Like uh, if they're willing to come seek out a coach and, and work with us, like most of the time it's me trying to pull the reins back because yeah. what I've seen now is, is, Working out is not the hard work that the elite athletes do. The hard work is the recovery. The hard work is the tempo, strict, long aerobic, all the boring things that require you to be present mentally and you can't escape yeah. them. And pain, in a way, gives an athlete something to focus on in a workout instead of, hey, this is really humbling. This is not going to be anything that's going to get me a billion likes on Instagram, but I need it. And that's yeah, the hard that. work that a lot of athletes don't want to put in to get to the highest of levels. They like the yeah. pain because they can tell someone else do the same work. I'm like, oh, that really hurt. Great. Anyone can hurt. But what can yeah. you focus with and present and really uh, get yourself better with? Strict work, aerobic work, all the recovery things that it's not sexy. Yeah, man, I love that. All right. So let's let's dig into it, man. So, you know, we had a question from one of our guys, when, when to modify versus when to rest and how we use pain to drive programming. And like I said at the beginning, I just see pain as a request for change. If, if your elbow hurts, it could be the way you're moving, could be a bunch of other things factored in. I don't pretend to know um, what it is from the outset, but to me, it's a request for change. So the first thing I like to change on any of my athletes is the movement itself. If pushing in a certain plane hurts, but not the other one, then let's just change the movement to that. So the first thing I mm -hmm. change is movement. Um, the next thing, uh, I, oh, go ahead. No, I was just like, yeah, same thing. I, I, I kind of look at it um, if it was like a fatigue thing or if it was an overuse thing, same thing. Like if, if I know I've been doing like a big squat cycle with someone, all of a sudden they're like, hey, I got a little bit of knee pain. Like, okay, well, maybe it's time to hinge a little bit more, deload and go into like kind of a hinge cycle. Um, if it is just kind of a generalized fatigue thing, I'll actually drop volume. Um, for two or three days, see if I can get some sort of super compensation as like a mini deload um, and then kind of rebuild back up. Yeah, absolutely, man. That's, that's the first thing I'll do is change that movement. Doesn't mean I stop it. I'll just change it. Um, you know, the next thing kind of along those lines though, is like load and intensity. So if I've got someone uh, specifically to sport athletes or military athletes where that I know they have a certain uh, movement they have to do and we're getting pretty close to a competition, 
I'm not going to totally cut it out, um, but I might change the loader intensity and just keep them prime because I'd rather them go into an event, whether it's a selection event, whether it's a weightlifting meet, whatever, whatever it is at, at 90 or 95% than broken. Yeah. It's interesting you say that because I think the majority of my tackle athletes, like I got a couple guys that are out at SEER right now and it's one of those things like they, they, they get out of SEER, right? And then let's say they start like the next phase of their qualification course in, in four weeks. And they're like, all right, man, time to get fit. I'm like, no, <laughs> now is your time to go grab a 15 pound dumbbell and, and do some tempo work for a little bit, go home and sleep. <laughs> this is not the time to go PR your power clean. <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. Um, you know, and, and that's the, the mindset piece that I think a lot of athletes need help with us on. It's like, hey, it's, it's not the time. You know, and that's, that's kind of the next thing that I'll talk about is like the athletes I was getting to, whether it's a weightlifter or someone else coming out of SEER, um, a lot of times we talk about exercise as medicine and like if, if you exercise, therefore you're going to be better. But people forget you can target certain things like tendons and ligaments with something as simple as tempo, right? So if I'm having someone who's having ligament pain in their knee or their elbow or something like that, but we can still go through the movement and we have to because of what their demands of their sport or job are we can drop the load, drop the intensity and do some really, really humbling work with tempo. Yeah. It's interesting too. Uh, Dietz does that whole triphasic training. And it, what's interesting to me about that is when people have an injury, I think the first thing they think of is like, Oh, my training's going to be really boring or not challenging. And that pain, you can create a metabolic response by, you know, if you're thinking normal strength work, let's say is a, a, a 10 second gap, right? So a 10 second activity, characterized by that cp system okay so you can't work out at high levels or high volume because of your injury well let's give you a 20 pound dumbbell do some blood flow restriction training which is going to create metabolic waste in the muscle and or like hey let's do a five second lower two second pause and a three second pause at the top i mean that's a that's a and you do five reps that's a 50 second workout right now you're working into if you really think about the kind of metabolic pathways like you're working into a different metabolic system at that point and so people forget that and then the benefits like you said of the, the joint tenacity of, of tempo work is amazing yeah and i think that's where i'll just i'll say it like a, a lot of the crossfit realm i think is missing out because it's it's such a hurry to uh put up prs and do some other things that you can kind of build muscle belly and, and a bunch of soft tissue faster than you can build some connective tissue like joints and tendons and ligaments with tempo um, the next thing that I like to change when, when we have someone in pain and I'll say it is the environment. Um, sometimes the environment that they are in is counterproductive to them healing. It may be great for setting up the intensity to PR your lifts. It may be great for having a training partner who pushes you like no other, but sometimes it's counterproductive if the overall goal is healing and health. And so I'll recommend to some of my athletes, switch your music, right? Put on an audio. Yeah something That's a go to for me yeah down regulate your your nervous system and, and get more parasympathetic uh earlier on and so that way they're not just sitting there trying to grind themselves to a pulp all the time because the environment is demanding more of them so i'll tell them hey it's an intangible thing but if you really want to get better i need you to take it back a couple notches and the biggest counterproductive thing you have right now is all your friends who are following blog template programming who are you know trying to be the internet bestie at, at whatever you know written workout there is and if that's not your goal 
it's not productive. Yeah, I think you hit on something that's super important, like the parasympathetic nervous system. I think, you know, we missed on that earlier, but um, that's the rest and digest kind of phase of your recovery and, and being super stressed out and, and high cortisol levels will never allow that, that parasympathetic system to take over. Um, so yeah, little things like music or even just staying out of the gym, you know, there's, um, plenty of research that shows like even just walking to a gym can raise your cortisol. <laughs> like, and so doing anything we can to, to lower that, um, and keep it low and you'd be surprised how, how fast your body can actually recover. Your body wants to get better. It doesn't want to stay injured. Yeah. And that's where I think, uh, I think a lot of people just forget that goals shift from day to day. Sometimes like your goal is to win a world record and then something happens and the goal should just be recovery or, or, you know, getting back, rehabbing back to where you were before. And that's a win. So um, to me, that's, that's huge. Um, the next thing that I'll change with a lot of our athletes is sequence. Uh, just talking to one of my tactical athletes today. Um, he took a fall off of a obstacle course. Um, so he was running across this pipe, fell about 10 feet, hit his ribs on another pipe. And uh, in that time, he, he um, hurt the cartilage, but not broke the ribs. And so in the time coming back from that, he's had some shoulder pain set in. It's kind of weird. Um, but what we've seen is as he starts to go overhead now, and especially with still trying to heal from that rib injury, his body has a reflex to kind of lock him down, right? It's called the arthrokinematic reflex. Because he's hurt in his ribs, the body locks everything up and downstream down. So if he is, if he is trying to go overhead early on in his workout, he's not really warm, it hurts. It almost mimics impingement. He didn't just get an impingement from one day to the next, and we actually have the images to say it's not that. So if you put him through all the special tests for an impingement, it's fine. But when he starts to work out and go overhead without a good warm-up, it hurts. However, if we have him do a, a very lengthy warm-up, aerobic warm-up, and get his tissue moving well, he can go overhead no problems. So sometimes if I see that onset, I'll just change the sequence that he's doing something in his workout to get a more high-quality movement later into a workout instead of where I normally I might, I might front load that just due to the loading and other things that go with it. Yeah. I like that. That's something I usually tell my athletes as well as, you know, if, if you're feeling pain, you're feeling kind of fatigue, like at least get in and get a nice aerobic warm up in. And sometimes that metabolic waste kind of like washes out and you're no longer feeling crummy or you are. And guess what? Aerobic work is all you're doing that day. <laughs> but that leads perfectly into the last point, I think, which is mindset. The biggest thing yeah. any of my athletes dealing with pain is the mindset that, Hey, your, your workout now is not to make you the best at whatever your given domain is in one day. The mindset that you need to have is, Hey, I'm getting back to normal. I'm getting back to optimal. Um, you know, and that it's the long game that we're worried about, not a singular workout. So instead of just, you know, getting so depleted during a workout and so broken down that everything hurts, it's like, okay, let's, let's go touch on that a little bit and then back off and make you better in six months more so than what you're going to do in six days. And I think mindset's the biggest thing anyone of any pain type that I've dealt with um, struggles with because it's hard, especially mm -hmm. when your identity is a high level athlete. Yeah. yeah. I mean, mindset's part of your recovery. So um, it's important to kind of dial that aspect in and realize the benefit of um, taking your recovery as serious as you would like say an all out lift. Yeah. And I think that, you know, the, the mindset piece also plays in other stuff that I want to talk about is, is the modalities and things that you do outside the gym to support training through pain. So uh, obviously we're huge on nutrition and, and doing it right, eating to perform, not necessarily eating for aesthetics. 
And that's one of the biggest things that I have to work with athletes um, with as well. When you're injured, I mean, you can use up to 20% more calories per day just to recover, depending on what type of injury yeah. it is, right? So when I'm trying to tell athletes who are injured and they're healing, like say it's a surgical thing, like an ACL, uh, and I'm like, hey, you need to up your calories. And like, well, I'm not working out, so I don't want to eat. I'm going to get fat. And it's like, okay, how's your body going to heal if, if your tank's empty? Yeah. Um, and yeah. so really dialing that in with them and, and little things that they might not normally do, right? I've been seeing a lot of the, the good uh, of things like curcumin and some other stuff recently. It's not necessarily like painkillers, um, but at yeah. the same time, supposed to help you with inflammation and, and pain overall. Well, it's the same idea behind the foam rolling, right? Like there's always that argument behind if foam rolling works. Um, and kind of my stance on it is, you know, the amount of pressure and poundage of force that it takes to change muscle tissue is not going to be caused by a 12 foot or 12 inch foam roller. Um, but mentally, if that makes you feel better and, and helps you get into an overhead position, then by all means do it. <laughs> yeah. And, and then the same thing with uh, not just nutrition, but water, like hydration. Um, because they're not active and because they're not doing things, you know, water kind of drops or at least hydration kind of drops. And I mean, that is what our body is made of. You cannot get away from it. So just simple things like upping the water intake um, for a lot of these athletes is, is the little things that, once again, not, not sexy, not great, but absolutely has great outcomes with, for pain. Yeah. And last, last two things I want to get into, Jeremy, is, is kind of using some of your folks that you have right now. Um, you know, thinking of somebody, whether it's acute pain or chronic pain, um, what are some training strategies you're using right now as we speak with some of your athletes in pain? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I think, so I'll use one of them, for example, having a shoulder issue. It's a, a localized shoulder issue. Um, kind of came back from sear um, and just kind of could not go overhead. You could press uh, horizontally, but not press vertically at all, even something as little as a wall ball. Um, so for a localized pain like that, he was still able to do heavy metabolic work and like a, mo like a single modality monostructural work. Um, and then when it came to fix it, quote unquote, fixing that shoulder injury, um, I had him do a week of kind of uh, two times with Shannon at biophysical therapy to do kind of some cupping and needling, just kind of get everything to kind of pseudo relax. And then we did a lot of tempo work and band work to the point now where he's able to do handstand push-ups, toes the bars as his hands over his head. Um, and really what I did there is I just kind of broke down, if it is a localized pain, I uh, broke down kind of what movements are bothering it. And then from a biomechanics standpoint, broke down like, okay, if we're pressing here, what muscles are active? Now let's overstabilize those muscles and kind of take a three-week cycle to do that. Um, that's kind of what we did the last month now. And, and now we're working on building strength in, and then also there's just that like open communication across the board of like, Hey, you need to let me know at any time, like what's bothering you and what's not um, within the shoulder. Right. Cause now that we start to add horsepower, we start to add movement complexity. Um, there could be the aspect of like, if he goes to try something new and all of a sudden that hurts. Right. Yep. So yep. that'd be an example for me for a localized pain. It's just, Hey, we're just sticking with a lot of tempo work. Um, you can create metabolic byproduct by doing, increasing your tempo time under tension. Um, and then a kind of a generalized example, um, to me is just athletes that get out of these super, like we're looking at a tactical athlete, these athletes that get out of a super stressful environment, similar to SEER, a deployment. Um, it's a lot of more days off than people think. I think that's a lot of times when they come to me and they're like, Hey man, I just got a SEER, I'm getting ready to go to teams or Hey, I just got out of the CrossFit open and I want to get better for next year. 
it's like, okay, well, if you just got a CrossFit open, you spent five weeks draining yourself. Let's work out three times a week, get some extra sleep, get everything to where now you're hungry to train the three H's, right? Happy, horny, hungry, and, and you're ready to go. And I have, I have an athlete that's like that right now where uh, I would say two days out of the week, it's a lot of row, bike, jump, uh, run, and then very light tempo work to make sure positionings feel good and make sure we're not getting stiff from not moving our joints, right? It's so like movement is health and, and being able to express joint movement is going to keep you healthy in the long run. No, man, love that. Love that. Because I, I take a lot of those same principles with, with the folks I'm working with. Um, yeah, I'll give one too. So right now I've got a guy, uh, he's in the SF um, Q course right now. Uh, funny enough, he, he got like a grade two hamstring tear through, um, I can't even explain it really. He was uh, bending over to grab something in some pine straw and the, the, the ground slipped a little bit and he just tweaked his hamstring. And next thing you know, he, he had a pretty mid-grade tear, um, middle of the hamstring. So okay, no big deal, right? Like we can heal from it. Well, he also had a PT test in like two weeks and a uh, big part of the PT test for these guys is determining, you know, placement in the course and when they go to certain things and how they do it. Um, so we couldn't just stop training. Um, so a lot of his training switched, right? He was uh, uh, focused on some strength and power stuff, more of a tactical athlete focused on strength and power, not like a bodybuilder or power, power lifter. Um, and we had to switch things. So for him, I still need to keep him aerobically at a high level, but I got to work on his, his single leg and positional work. So really what we did is, is we started adding in some rows at prescribed tempos and paces mixed with some bodybuilding type templates. But when I say that, I mean cross body type body lift, lifting, uh, bodybuilding, because that's how the body works is in these sheaths that go from opposite sides. So I may have him do a glute bridge bench press with, with his right arm and then have him do a weighted step up with his left leg or something like that. These things called aerobic contralateral circuits. Uh, yeah. So we did all that for a couple of weeks. We did a bunch of tempo and, and loaded stretching uh, because that was the other thing. He was getting really tight in all the areas of his body that he couldn't move as well. This guy's a, he's a high performer as it is. Uh, and then just last week, you know, about two and a half weeks after his hamstring tear, I had to run his PT test and, and still ran sub 12 minutes for his two mile and still maxed everything in pain. Yeah. Yes. Uh, not what he's capable of, but at the same time, good enough. And I mean, I don't know many people that could run that with a normal hamstring, much less uh, a tear. And so that's not all we're doing now. Yeah, we're trying to work on how he controls his body, how he moves his body in space, not let him decondition, but we're not trying to add horsepower right now. That's yeah. not the focus. He's good with it. So we've upped the calories. We've added, you know, things in, you know, eat more vegetables, eat all the, all the things that are going to promote healing and leave the, leave the performance stuff on the table for now, we'll come back and get that later. A good phrase that I was that I actually recently heard that I kind of really like is, um, you know, you're not going to get stronger in one day, but you could sure as shit ruin like an entire season. Absolutely. Right? Like if something's not feeling right, like doing one less set of three squats isn't going to make or break your strength. But you do that third set or maybe fourth set when things aren't feeling right and you blow shit out, like – guess what? Now you're maybe looking at surgery or something that like isn't going to be beneficial. Yeah. And I think that's, that's a perfect segue into, into the last point that I have is, is injury or pain can be a gift depending on how you view it. Right. So I know you're going through the shoulder thing, man, I've ripped so much in my life. I can't even remember all the things I've broken on my body, yeah. but each one should be a lesson, right? So it should be a lesson on how I move, 
what I should do differently, how I should take care of the rest of my body to do it. And the best athletes in the world can do that, right? There's a whole book about it called The Gift of Injury with Stu McGill. And I love all this stuff for spine work. But, you know, you have some of the best athletes in the world who get injured. And instead of letting it consume them and trying to overwhelm themselves with more work just to prove they can do it, it takes a focused and deliberate mindset to learn and get better even though you're injured or got some pain going on. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's something that's been kind of my focus now is um... – you know, just improving quality of movement. I'm getting to the point now where I can actually start expressing kind of power and, and utilizing the joint. Um, and so I'm still keeping things somewhat lighter. Um, lighter is relative. Someone like harped on me on social media for that. I was like, oh, light overhead squats. And like, you know, it's relative for me if a light overhead squat is 305 pounds. Um, and so it's just one of those things like keep that in mind. Everything's relative to the athletes. And you know, if, if you're coming back from an injury and let's say you're working on power cleans and a 135 power clean is what's going to have you move well, then that's what you need to do. Um, and that's kind of the approach I've been taking with my shoulder. Did a lot of strict tempo work, still kind of doing strict tempo work just now every once in a while. Like today I did some touch and go power snatches, right? So it's like making sure positioning is super solid, making sure that's snappy. It's not getting grinded out in like an external rotation position. Um, and it's just, it's paying off. So good, man. Love to hear it. Yeah. And so for the group, obviously that's just barely touching on the concept of pain. There's whole fields of science and research dedicated to that in, in all arenas, not just the sport or athletic domain. Um, so I encourage you to look those things up and, and hit us with any questions as always uh, to our EX athletes. Hopefully some of you uh, know who we're talking about. Know yeah. what we're talking about when you listen to this, you probably heard your story on here um, and you've heard us say this stuff as well. So please take it to heart. Um, and then if you aren't one of our athletes, but you're interested in, in coming back from injury or pain and working with us, uh, we do have a couple openings coming up at the beginning of the year, um, with some military folks shipping off. So if you're interested in getting on the waiting list, please let us know now, just send us a DM or, or email us, uh, through the contact form on our website. So Jeremy, thanks for your time, man. Uh, to the crowd out there, we hope you got a lot from this. We look forward to your questions and as always remember, get better every day. Thank you.